That was when I was short at my hedge fund, and I was positioned short, meaning I needed it down. Uh, I would uh, create a, um, a level of activity beforehand that could drive the futures. It doesn't take much money. Uh, similarly, if uh, or if I were long and I would want to make things a little bit rosy, I would go in and take a bunch of stocks and make sure that they are they're higher. And maybe commit five million in capital to do it, and I could affect it. Uh, what you're seeing now is maybe it probably is bigger market now. Maybe you need ten million in capital to knock this stuff down. But it's a fun game and it's a lucrative game, and you you can move it up and then fade it. That's all often creates a very negative feel. So let's say you take a longer term view intraday. And you say, listen, I'm going to boost the futures, and then when the real sellers come in, real market comes in, they're going to knock it down. That's going to create a negative uh, negative view. That's a strategy very worth doing when you're value, when you're valuing on a day to day basis. And I would encourage anyone who's in the hedge fund game to do it because it's legal, right? And it um, it is a very quick way to make money and very satisfying. You know, the, the hedge funds are positioned long short. Okay, not just long like mutual funds. So it's really vital these next six days because of your payday. You've really got to control the market. You can't let it lift. When you get a research in motion, it's really important to use a lot of your firepower to knock that down because it's the fulcrum of the market today. So I mean, let's say I were, uh, I were short. What I would do is I would hit a lot of guys with rim. Now, you can't foment. That's a violation of... of foment? Yeah, you can't foment. foment. You can't create a, yourself an impression that a stock's down. But you do it anyway because the SEC doesn't right. understand it. So, you, I mean, it's that's the only sense that I would say this is illegal. But a, a hedge fund that's not up a lot really has to do a lot now to save itself. So um, this is different from what I was talking about at the beginning where I would be buying the queues and stuff. Right. This is actually just a, blatantly illegal. But when you have six days and your company may be in doubt because you're down, I think it's really important to foment uh, if I were one of these guys, for men, an impression that research in motion isn't any good because research in motion is the key Rich. today. So, you know, you would you would hit this guy and that guy, and when you would see an offering, when you see a guy who's bidding, you'd wipe out that guy very quickly. And what I used to do um, was called, if I wanted to go higher, I would take and bid, take and bid, take and bid. Um, and if, um, if I wanted to go lower, I'd hit an offer, hit an offer, hit an offer. And I could get a stock like Rim for maybe, that might cost me 15, 20 million. Annie to knock rim down but it would be fabulous because it would beleaguer all the moron longs who are also keen on research and motion so There's I see we're seeing, on today. We're yeah, we're seeing that that's you know again when your company's in a survival mode it's really important to defeat research and motion and get the Pisanis of the world and the people talking about it as if there's something wrong with rim then you would call the journal and you get the bozo report on research and motion and you would feed that there's a palm's got a killer it's going to give away these are all the things you must do on a day like today and if you're not doing it maybe Maybe you shouldn't be in the game. Okay. Another stock that a lot of people are focused on right now seems to be Apple. Yeah, I'm Apple's very important to spread the rumor that um, that both uh, Verizon and Bell and uh, ATT have decided they don't like the phone. Right. That's a very easy one to do because it's also you want to spread the rumor that it's not going to be ready for Mac World. And this is very easy because the people who write about Apple want that story. And you can claim that it's credible because you spoke to someone at Apple because Apple isn't and it doesn't. Right, they're not going to comment. They're not gonna right, say. So it's really an ideal short. And I would, again, if I were a short Apple, I would be working very hard today to get that. And the way you would do that is you pick up the phone, you call six trading desks and say, listen, I just got off the phone with my contact at Verizon. And he has already said, listen, we're not, we're a lucky G house. Uh, we're a Samsung house. We, we, we're a Motorola house. There's no room for Apple. They want too much. We're not going to let them in. This is not. We're not going to let them do what they did to music. 
And, you know, I think that's a very effective way to keep a stock down. Right. I might also, by the way, because the stock at 84, 85, a little bit of capital, you go buy some January 80 puts that makes it look like there's going to be something going on. So maybe, you, you know, give Morgan an order to buy 1,000 Jan 80 puts. Then you go position limit with, uh, you know, um, you use a hat firm that doesn't know what the heck it's doing. Maybe you go to UBS for puts. And, and you just kind of create an image that there's going to be news next week. And that's going to frighten everybody. Right. And you, they all go out and say, large put buyer at uh, UBS. Then they call Pisani again. You have to use those guys. And say, listen, I'm a buyer. You know, I see a big buyer of puts. And I'm told that it's like, it's SAC. You would do that too. Um, and these are all uh, what's really going on under the market that you don't see. Right. And, don't, and but, nobody else talks about right. it. But what, what, what's important when you're in that hedge fund mode is to not do anything remotely truthful. Hey, good congratulations, Chinchillas. You just made it to of our podcast. Chinchilla Picking Podcast. You're here with Brandon Beaver and David Underwood. Again, you can find us at Brandon Beaver at chinchillapicking.com or David Underwood at chinchillapicking.com. We are here to be entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. All right. That's our goal. That's our vision. That's why we're here. Let's get it started. Last week, I started first. This week, I get to start first again. I don't know why. I don't make the rules. Brandon does. I just show up. That's how it goes. Right, Brandon? Say hi. Right. Right. Exactly. 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 (laughs) (laughs) I know, man. What's up with that? What's up with that? Um. So after last week was our first podcast together, you know, got a lot of uh, uh, feedback from some individuals, my daughter in tow. Um, Hi, daughter. Uh, Thank you for telling me at what part I was cringy, quote unquote, at. So that was that was great. You know, if you guys have teenage daughters out there, just keep that in mind. We'll get right into it. I that's why I say yes. People want to want to get right into it. People want to hear about what we have to say. They want to hear about stocks. They don't want to hear about us going going back and forth. The setup is this, guys. You guys know the setup. Brandon and I meet up about 20 minutes ahead of time. We talk about what we're going to talk about. Then we go ahead. We take a 10-minute break. We uh, do a little bit of research on what the other person has to say, and then we get right into this podcast. So some of these things, some of us may not be as researched as the other, but we are both here to spread our knowledge, let you know what we have, let you talk a little bit about what our picks are, how we view things, it's not necessarily the right way. It's just our way. We make money. I make money. Brandon makes money. So let us share some of our experiences and failures so that you don't make them. All right? All right. Brandon, anything to add before I get into uh, my piece here? No. Uh, you can go ahead. Uh, we'll talk about what everybody heard at the top of the show, the clips of uh, Jim Cramer and his interview from the street.com. Uh, and their show, uh, Wall Street Confidential, back in 2006. And uh, Nice. I'm sure we're going to get into that. I Yeah, Brandon did play that for me, guys, uh, for literally 20 minutes before the show. So I do have some uh, comments to make about that. I don't know. Uh, let, let's get into what I got first. Let me, get, let me go. I have quick things. I have very quick things tonight. We'll get into uh, what, uh, Jim Cramer and what he said in, in that clip here in a second. First thing I want to I want to hit on here, and this is really big right now because what month is it? It's March. What time is it? March Madness. All right. So March Madness is is betting, is gambling, is sports. That's what we got with basketball going on. That's what we got with DraftKings and Penn 
National Gaming. Those are the two stocks I have been watching. DraftKings, I really have to give a uh, heads out to a friend of mine. You know who you are. Thank you for introducing me to this company. These are stocks I think are not quite too late to get into it, and it has a lot to do with the pullback recently. Some people might think it's too late to get into it. The big companies already bought in. They always say, you know, I, I was here last week preaching, don't sell the news. Here I am saying, not quite too late. You can still buy in and make some money off these. Based off where they're sitting at right now, I believe that DraftKings is still going to go up. I believe they're going to hit 70. I believe Penn is going to hit 120. DraftKings last time I was checking was hanging around 65, 67. Penn about a, a buck 11. You know, I think there's a little bit of movement still to be made. I, I think with all the sports opening back up, what I see is even more opportunity for these companies. A lot of money last year, and they had a lot of growth. I see even more this year because now they got people addicted last year. You know, and now this year, all the sports are opening back up. Everybody can go. They're they're addicted. They got a little fan base. Now they're going to start betting like crazy. Brandon, give me your thoughts. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, this market's still brand new. It's not done. It's just getting started. Uh, it, you know, it's going to be volatile for years. That's what markets do before they mature. Uh, and it may take a long time before it does mature. But that's okay. You're still getting, just like our podcast, you're getting in at the bottom. And DraftKings is a front runner right now. So they, they have the advantage of being first and there, there's going to be other opportunities and other players that enter the market and we'll see what happens with that. But um, I mean, would I buy it? No, but that's, it's just not my kind of stock. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't buy it. It doesn't mean that it's wrong to buy it. Um, and also, I, I mean, just because I won't buy it long, I still might momentum trade it. We'll see. Uh, but I do think that this is a young market. It's just kind of like the pot industry. Or even if you go back into the history of the stock market, for the first 150 years, the railroads were volatile. So, yes, you're going to see some volatility in, in this. But, um, you know, I, I don't think it's too late to get into it either if you're that kind of investor. All right. All right. So you're comparing this to the railroads by chance right there. Um, yes. Yes. It's not too late to get into it. But there are other companies getting ready to announce. FanDuel. Announcing they have an IPO coming out. Yes, they are more the European side of the business, the British side. Based on how we're uh, looking at DraftKings, right? Based on that valuation of DraftKings, FanDuel, $5.1 billion valuation. And they're going to announce an IPO. Here's another twist in the pot of FanDuel. Fox Sports has an option to buy 18.5% stake in it with their contract they have with FanDuel coming up in just a couple months. I say Fox Sports, pull that trigger, buy that 8%, 18% stake, because when FanDuel goes IPO, you're going to make a ton of money. Yes or no? Yeah, I agree. Uh, what's that company that just uh, I heard a couple weeks ago that uh, you'll be able to watch? It was either DirecTV or Dish or something, and then you could bet from your couch as you're watching the game. Did you hear about that? Wow. No, I did not hear. I am hearing about it live right now. No, I did not hear about this. I mean, what? Yeah, honestly, you have to Google it because I don't remember the name of the company that's doing this, but it's a thing, and I just heard about it last week. So more interesting developments, and there's 
there's going to be more. Yeah, I mean, it, but here's here's something you have to take into consideration, though. These companies have to rake in high revenue because of overhead costs. DraftKings alone spends $200 million a quarter on advertising. That's a huge budget for a young company because they are a young company and they're spending $200 million a quarter on advertising, trying to get you in here, trying to get you to go ahead and buy. I mean, they, they got a large overhead, but they are raking it in. So uh, it, I, I, I'm like you. I think Sports Betting Madness Month is on. I say these stocks are going up. I do see Pan heading at least a buck twenty. I see DraftKings heading at least seventy. Who knows? Maybe more after that. Yeah, our mutual friend's going to be happy to hear this one. Yes, yes, I, I can hear him right now saying yes, Cha Ching, <laughs> doing his thing. All right. All right, I just want to mention this from last week. You know how last week I, I was on here and I was just sitting here talking about vaccines and vaccine this and vaccine that, and I was just ragging on the uh, Ocugen CEO and how he came on there and it looked like he was kind of like begging and pleading for business, and that's how I took it. And you have to be aware of how you come across nowadays when retailer investors hold such a big control of the market share of investing. Ocugen right now, $8.98 or over 10% down from last week from when I made that call. You know, right now, there's just a hold to me. I'm still not buying at $8.98. They'd have to go lower for me to buy. I mean, that's just my opinion. That's just an update on last week, man. I Lower for me to buy. I'm not buying yet. No. Well, you know, I'm not a pharma guy, but at the same time, and that, like I said, there's more than one ways to skin a cat. Just because I'm not a pharma guy doesn't mean that somebody else should be. And we talked about last week when it comes to Warren Buffett, he invests and buys what he knows. And, and you know, you got to be that way. Um, I don't quite completely understand the pharma business. I'll just admit to it 100 percent. Um, and their balance sheet, the way that things pharma business, man, it's drugs. Do you have something wrong with you? If not, I'll tell you what's wrong with you. And I got a drug for it. That's the pharma business. Take oil. <laughs> well everybody's looking for a red flag too and they should be you should always be looking for these things and so when you see a ceo get up there and it seems like he's more trying to sell you a stock than he's trying to sell you his actual product then it should raise a red flag thank you thank you thank you that's exactly what I want to hear. And you put it very, very calmly and straight to the point. I like that. I appreciate that. Thanks. Thank you. No problem. It'd be very hard for me to be. All right. Sometimes. <laughs> right. Especially when you're playing Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. It's All right. Here we go. Uh, the next thing I want to get to here is the stimmy. The stimmy. Everyone got their stimmies the past seven days or they're going to be getting it the next seven days. I want to talk to people, and this is this is me wait, talking wait, wait, to people. Wait, one second. Who am I? House of Pleasure. <laughs> House of Pleasure, right? Okay, JC. Okay. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> this Demi. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is too funny. A lot of you guys are getting a stimulus checks. It's an opportunity for you. Here's what I got to say. If you're listening to this podcast – you have some people out here that you can reach us via DMs on our Instagram, 
via our emails, brandonbeaver at chinchillapicking.com email, davidunderwood at chinchillapicking.com email. You could DM us on our Instagram. You could get a hold of us. You have $1,000 coming to you or plus or more coming to you. A lot of people out there, you know people who have been trading for over a decade and then some. You have the you have the financial wear beans to put some money into an account. You have an opportunity right now to grow your investment. From this day forward, you can't say you were never given an opportunity to go ahead and invest and trade some money. You have from a big check coming, and you have some uh, people that you can talk to and rely upon and get some good advice. It's an opportunity. Here's what I say you do, and here's my my little 5% plan, and I'm going to put this out there. Brandon's heard this plan before. Other people have heard this plan before. My plan is all you have to do is make 5% a week, whether you do three 2% trades or a 1% trade and another 1% trade and you do a 3% trade. It's not hard to find a 1% trade on any given day. On any, any given day, I could probably take your cell phone, trade for you, and find a 1% trade. It's not hard to get that on a day trade. All I'm saying is you have to get just 5% a week. If you start with $1,000 and you do 5% a week, after one month, you're going to have $1,200, right? You do this calculation. After four months, you get over $2,000. You doubled your money. So every four months, you're doubling your money, right? So that means by eight months, you have $4,000. And by one year, you have $8,000. You continue doing 5% a week. After the second year, you have $64,000. After the third year, you have $512,000. And after the fourth year, you have over $4 million. All you have to do is 5% a week, people. It's not hard. Don't go hitting home runs. Don't go looking for you know the next big thing. It's not 2020 anymore. We are getting into a more stabilized market. Things are going back to the way they were. These are the muddy waters that Brandon and I trudged in for years. We understand how these things work. We know that you're not going to get those 80% gains every single day in 50 different stocks that everybody knows. That's not going to happen. It's going to start slowing down, going back to a more normal pace. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, and if you're doing 20% in one stock, then oftentimes if you keep trying to hit 20% with one stock, then you're going to blow your account up in no time. I see these people all the time on Facebook saying, oh, I'm up 50% today and I made, you know, $10,000 with $1,000 this week. And, and I keep telling them every single time, that's great. Be happy with what you did, but stop doing what you're doing because you're going to lose it all. And what usually happens the very next month? They lose it all. And they, they lose it all, right? It's just a month later. It doesn't take long. It doesn't take long. Because it's a dragon they're chasing. They're chasing the dragon. Yep. Anyways, the more you know, that's from Brandon and David. (laughs) Take that consideration, people. Go for base hits. Go for 5% a week. That's a safe and steady way. That's what I got to say on that. I'm not going to go into any more on that. One last thing I want to touch on, guys, is I am worried about inflation. I am worried about how it's going to do to retirees. You know, they, they have steady income. They can't they can't be fluctuating. They can't have inflation going up too much. We have a huge growing population of people that are looking to retire. They can't retire now because inflation's going up. 
They're worried about it. They don't want to. They're putting off retirement. They're concerned about it. Commodity prices are going up. You know, some of these retirees are maybe holding a five-year CD or a 10-year note. And if they're doing that and inflation continues going up, they're going to lose purchasing power over a year. They're going to lose it. And their money didn't go down. Their money went up, but they lost purchasing power. Yeah, well, here's the problem that bonds and bonds are supposed to protect you from inflation. Because what happens is when the people start leaving the bonds, they sell the bonds, the rates go up. However, every time that starts to happen, the Federal Reserve kicks in and they start buying a bunch of bonds and they drive the rates right back down. And they just committed to buying another $120 billion every month again until 2023. So where do you go to save yourself from inflation? Maybe gold, but gold hasn't really been working out all that well either. Bitcoin, but it's it's pretty risky and and definitely too risky for the retirees, in my opinion. Um, But they've kind of taken that safe haven away. Because I think they're trying to pump the stocks and they're also what they're trying to do is they're trying to make borrowing much easier and much cheaper for the corporations so that it it stimulates them and they hire more people. But at the same time, you're putting a big lid on what used to be a safety net for people. Yeah. And and so hold up. I mean, what they're doing is is pretty much like quantitative easing. What they did back to get out of the 2008 crisis when they started really doing this. All you're doing is you're printing money to go ahead and buy bonds, you know, and then or you're printing money to go ahead and lend to the big corporations. It, I don't know. So I was there was a gentleman that was on CNBC back in the day. Then he left for a period and he's back on CNBC. And well, he's actually on a different channel now, but his name is Larry Kudlow, right? Larry Kudlow used to make fun of the government for doing this and he called them. He used to call it, you know, the dollar's going to be worthless. It's going to be the Paulson peso. And he would get on TV and call that all the time because Paulson would always be all for just printing money, print, 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 do quantitative easing. And I, I'm just completely against it. I understand the need for it. So it does – just because I understand the need for something in the short term doesn't mean I'm for it. It means it's a necessary evil at the moment. Right now, is it a necessary evil? I don't know. I mean, I can't sit here and honestly look anybody in the eye and say yes or no with, with conviction in my heart. I know I, I know what I want to say. I want to say no. I want to say don't do it. That's what I want to say. I'm, I'm for deflation, not inflation, but it is what it is, right? I mean, we could get into this some other time, but in my opinion, if you have a stable monetary um, a monetary policy, if you've got a policy that means your money is stable, deflation doesn't have to be a bad thing. And if we were, if we, we still were on the gold standard, and in a gold standard where gold's not um, manipulated by the government in itself where we were actually tied to something that was tangible, then deflation would be okay. And what would happen is as things start to lose value, new innovations will kick up that will be profitable again. And over time, those will lose value, but then something else will kick and actually spur more innovation in my mind. But I mean, 
we can talk about that later and so or in some other podcast right but that's that's a whole nother podcast I, I, here we want to we want to make people money so let's make people money i want to i'm going to hand this over to brandon here and he's got a few things he wants to say i'm going to give him one challenge before he starts talking i told him i would give him a challenge before he starts talking and this is the one challenge i want to give you brandon Larry Kudlow challenges guests this all the time. They would come on there, and these are very smart people we had on the show, right? Very, very smart people. They would come on there, and they would use these big, huge Harvard 12-syllable words, and he would interrupt them and say, excuse me, excuse me. I am trying to help the everyday man. If you can't explain it to the everyday man, I don't believe you really know it and understand it. So my challenge to you, Brandon, is explain it to the everyday man. Go ahead. Oh, the Kramer situation. So what you heard at the top of this show was Jim Kramer admitting to market manipulation in ways that, honestly, he should have been put in jail for. And I don't want to come down too hard on him completely for this because this the interview that you heard snippets of was from 2006. So we're talking 15 years ago. But the point of it, is that this is the kind of stuff that still goes on in these hedge funds and on the media uh, that you watch every day. So, you know, when he talks about fomentation, creating an environment in the market, uh, manipulating it so that it makes people react undesirably with greed or with panic. That's the kind of stuff that you have to look out for. You really, really need to be watching for um, manipulation, for narratives. If you see narratives on the media every day, it really should raise a red flag. Somebody could be driving those narratives. And the way that you figure this out is that you do your own research. Because sometimes when you're watching, we all watch CNBC we all watch Bloomberg. We kind of have to. It's, it's what's available. But if you're doing your own research, you can understand and trust your own judgment. And what you're seeing, you, you know, you can judge whether what you're seeing is good advice or whether it's bad advice or whether they're right or wrong. And that, that's my advice. for it. But I always play this interview for people. Uh, when they'll listen to it and when they're first starting in the market, because you should not put 100% of your trust in really anybody. Most of your trust should really be in yourself. And then you judge the character of the people accordingly, but then also investigate for yourself. Don't be lazy and watch mad money or whatever show that you're watching and just take it at face value. Do your own due diligence. Hundred percent agree. You need to do your own research. Everybody needs. I mean, we're, I believe that every American is smart enough to know what to invest in with just a little bit of time, a few hours a week. You can outdo a mutual fund. A mutual fund will give you the best one. Will give you fifteen percent a year. Hedge fund thirty five forty percent a year. A capital group eighty to one hundred percent a year. You can outdo them all with just a few hours of research a week, doing five percent a week. I agree with you, Brandon. on that. And I want to add 
that after listening to, because every time I listen to that interview, honestly, irrationally, maybe, but whatever, it makes me very angry. But it also makes me glad that the Reddit traders did to GameStop what they did to GameStop, and they really put the hurt on Melbourne Capital. I wish they would have been able to put them out of business. Um, but listening to what you heard at the beginning of this, that's why GameStop happened. That's why you had these millennials willing to lose money just to put the hurt on those. I'm people. telling you, Brandon, I mean, during that, did I not get up at like midnight on, on Sunday night or Monday night and post a video saying, yes, let's go. Let's take it back, guys. Let's let's get these guys. Let's make them hurt for what they did. It was the middle of the night. I was pumped up. I was I was cheering the Reddit crowd on. I was all for the everyday American taking back the power from the centralized area where it is right now. Let's take back our own money. Let's control yes. it. Let's learn how to grow our money ourselves. You guys can do it. Yes. Hey, should hedge funds be illegal? No, think? no. There's a there's a purpose and there's a use for I hedge funds. It. There's a purpose, there's a use for mutual funds, and there's a purpose and there's a use for capital groups. There, there is purpose. Yeah, they, they do that, provide right? a bottom one they have to cover. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They and they provide a bo- a bottom one they have to cover. They do. They do. You know? Hold up. I want to I want to ask you a question, Brandon. Because last week, no, the week before, sorry, two weeks ago, you you were saying. Bonds are dead. Bonds are dead. And bond yields keep going higher. Are we going to see the bond yields of the 80s? Or are bonds dead? No, because the Fed won't let it happen. They're going to keep pumping money into it. They're going to keep driving the rates down. We might get to 2%. I mean, and then what do you do? Where do you go at 2%? Do you buy bonds at that point and then wait for them to come back down and then just sell them? I don't know. And when I say 2%, I'm talking about the 10-year. I got you. I knew what you were talking about, 10-year yield. I don't know, man. But, yeah, I mean, I don't don't, don't own bonds. I I don't own bonds. bonds Do you own bonds? I don't own bonds. No, I do not. And, And But you could still probably, I mean, we had one of our friends over on the Money Vikings. They, he bought and traded a bond and made $100 or something like that. So you could still trade them. I'm just talking about as a long-term investment. I I don't think they're going back to the 80s. Um, and, and I don't think they're going to go much higher than 2%. Okay. We can keep this as an audio clip and call me. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm, I'm fine with being wrong on it. And, and maybe I'll learn something new, but... <laughs> $120 billion a month going into bonds from the Federal Reserve. I don't see 2%. And if it does, I don't Hey, guys, and Brandon's, uh, Brandon's not as bold as I am as making predictions on air like this. I, I, I will really put myself out there and be confident and make predictions, Brandon. So if Brandon's making a prediction on air, then that, that's pretty solid advice there that I would put money on. So... Hey, and if it does go to 2%, tech's going to hurt for a little bit, but I do think it'll come back once the 10-year calms. Gotcha. All right. Fine. 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 What do you have next, man? What's on that? What's on next? Let's see here. All right. So 
Evercore ISI upgraded their price target on Apple from $163 to $175. The Evercore analyst says Apple remains positioned to sustain mid-single-digit sales and mid-teens total return over the next several years. Apple shares rallied a strong 81% last year, but they're still down around 20% from its high back in January. Wall Street is predicting an EPS total of $4.45 for the year. The Evercore analyst says Apple can reach up to $7 a share, earnings per share is what that is, uh, by 2025, based on a path to $100 billion in services revenue by then. Apple had fiscal year 2020 revenue of about $54 billion in revenue, so he's predicting they will double their service revenue by 2025 is it time to sell apple do you think or do you think you're still buying apple and still holding it for the long term i think we're holding it here okay and you may you may want if you want to wait and see if it gets down to 115 which is about its 200 day uh moving average then fine i'm okay with that but we're already like i said 20 percent down from the highs and let's just take a look at one statistic here okay when you look at the return on shareholders equity for apple and what the return on shareholders equity is is the net income divided by the shareholders equity you get 89 percent. that's the money they're making with the equity that they get from shareholders 89 percent return last year and you could say that was helped a lot by the pandemic and i agree that it was but if you look at the comparison, another behemoth that was helped greatly by the pandemic, Amazon, they had a 23% return on equity. And that's not bad. That's pretty good, too. It's just the 89% return on equity for Apple is really, really good. And you're hard-pressed to find a company that is operating as fluently as they are. So I say you hold it. All right, man. Tell you what. Put a cowboy hat on me me on tv on sunday have me on pbr because you know what i'm riding the bull all day long it's going higher i'm calling it hey here's why listen to my case apple's a buy a strong buy for me especially below 140 strong buy at 140 it's a buy at 160 it's a hold here's why Apple has Apple TV. I just started seeing advertising for it the past two months. I did, right? I don't have Apple products. I don't have Apple TV. I'm a Samsung guy. I have Hulu Live. I don't have anything Apple in my house. But I started seeing Apple advertising for movies you can only watch on Apple TV. When I see that, here's what I think of. I think of Disney+. Plus. I think of Hulu Live. I think of Netflix. And I think Apple has a subscriber base already that's already has Apple this, Apple that. They have the Mac. They have the watch. They have the phones. They have the tablet. They have everything Apple. They're wearing Apple T-shirts. They're Apple out, right? They're going to go ahead and subscribe to this as well. And your Apple monthly bill is just going to go higher. Apple does not make their profit from phones anymore. They make their profit off of subscriptions, off of services, 
off all those other things they offered. The phones, it's just a fancy device in your hands that get your subscription fees. And they may, they may be getting into cars now. They may have an electric vehicle and, you know, all and the VR. Holidays come up. Yeah. Yeah. And VR. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're going in VR. I'm like, why would you not buy this company at 120 bucks? When here's my next question too, uh, uh, Brandon. When's the last time Apple did not beat on their earnings? You hear these oh, Apple's earnings estimates from everybody is four dollars for the year. When's the last year that you can tell me that Apple did not beat their earnings? Can you remember Never. one? And I've been I've been trading stock actively. I've been trading stock actively since 2003. And I can't think of a year that I can remember. Now, I know there's been at least one, but I can't think of the year I can remember where they did not beat on earnings. I mean, come on. And they're always conservative in their guidance, and they always knock it out of the park. Every it time. It up being better than what they, ask. Yeah, or than what they say they're going to do. Every time. I, I mean, now, is the growth – going to be as explosive as it has been over the first 10 years from like 2000 when uh, Steve Jobs took back over and all the way to 2010. No, you're not going to have that kind of explosive growth, but are you going to have growth? Yes. Yes, you are going to have growth. There are companies out there, guys. I'm going to tell you this. There are big major corporations out there that are growing at 30 to 50% a year right now still those are good companies to get into good companies to buy apple is one of them agree ready for airlines i am ready can you tell i'm ready i'm a little pumped up over here john madden's ready to go (laughs) buy apple all right (laughs) you'll score a touchdown United Airlines has outperformed tech and EV this year so far. They're up 27% since the beginning of the year. All right. So they're being, their performance is dependent on the return to pre-pandemic travel, in my opinion. Bill Gates says travel will only get back to 50% of the pandemic pandemic levels hold on hold on hold on their stocks are not no their shares still aren't at pre-pandemic levels dude they still need more growth to get there so i mean so i'm gonna i I mean i just want to make sure you understand that right now their stock's still not at pre-pandemic levels go ahead sorry they're they're 40 so they're 40 percent below what their previous highs were before the pandemic however travel that may be cut in half for forever with zoom and microsoft teams companies not having to pay for uh expensive hotels and expensive flights and listen this is still a very competitive in, in, in industry when an industry goes into a tailspin and goes into a depression normally what happens is you have a large percentage uh, percentage of them go into bankruptcy and then the leftovers take over the market share. The people that survive it take over that market share. And then you have a big boom in recovery, right? But I don't think any U.S. airlines were allowed to go bankrupt. So now not only do you have a stuttered recovery when it comes to COVID and Europe's locking down again, 
but you still have a very competitive competitive in, uh, industry. You still got the uh, the value airlines and the deltas and the United Airlines. Very competitive. I think it's a hard go from here. I'm not saying that you should sell it, but I'm saying you should probably think about it. If you're in an airline right now and you've had great gains, there's no shame in taking some off the table at the moment. Uh, I'm going to agree and disagree. All right. I agree. I, I, I would not call it a buy. I call this a hold. Um, and, and there's right. I'm going to agree with you on this fact. There's no shame in taking stuff off the table. Take your profit off. Take some profit. Enjoy it. Go and you know, enjoy life. After 2008, I, I mean, I traded through 2008 in that crisis and the quote-unquote too big to fail. You had all kinds of the book, movie, the big short. You know, you had a lot of things come out because of that. Moral hazard became a well-known well known term. You had all these things happen, but yet nothing happened. Here we go, and this is the perfect example of nothing happened. We didn't learn our lesson from bailing out the banks we're bailing out the airlines. We're bailing them all out. Delta, Delta was never was Delta did, did did not need a bailout, but they got a bailout. Tell me, explain that one to me. Southwest mm-hmm. again, another company that that could have survived without a bailout got a bailout. And so, I mean, these are two companies that were strong. That, like you said, would have been the ones to take over the whole market because American, American. I really thought. In the in the summer last year, I said we're never going to see American ever again. Maybe this might be the end of American Airlines. Nope, here we come, bailout. And now American Airlines is still around. And I I just wonder, are we are we propping up companies that are just run badly at this point? It's possible that the recovery in the airlines would be faster had the bailout not happened. Exactly, but yes. My my two holds and or and or buys Delta and Southwest, all the others it's either a sell or a hold. Delta and Southwest are my buys. And we got a buddy of ours that has serious diamond hands. I mean, people talk about diamond hands all the time, and I never actually see anybody truly <laughs> live up to that. I do, I, I do, mean, I do. You know who I'm talking about? He never sells a full stock ever. But his diamond hands have turned a lot of things that he's touched into diamonds. So when you look at the United Airlines situation, their CEO says that business travel is not going to be back to normal until 2024. So the stock probably won't be back to normal, at least not justifiably until 2024. If Tristan has United Airlines, he'll probably still be holding it until then. But most people are going to have a problem with the kind of volatility that that's going to produce over the years, and they'll probably panic sell, especially if you're buying right now. So I don't recommend buying now, but if you're still in it and you got those kind of diamond hands and being my guest, uh, me, I would be thinking. Yeah, take your profit off. There's nothing wrong with taking some profit. You know, maybe just go in or maybe take your principal out and just leave your profit on to run. That's another way to do it. Uh, there's, There's a lot of different options there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's all I've got for tonight. Awesome. Here's what I'm leaving with, guys. DraftKings going over 70. Penn Gaming going over 120. Look out for the FanDuel IPO. Fox Sports has an option to buy at 18% interest. Maybe Fox Sports. So maybe look at some way to get in on who owns Fox Sports 
and uh, see about getting in on that way. But FanDuel is going to IPO later on this year. I like the gaming. I like the gambling, but not too much more because I, I believe that they've already had a big run up right now. I believe they're still going to have more, but not too much more. Keep an eye out for those. Those are my calls definitely for this week. Oxygen still not a buy. I need it to drop more before I would put my money in it personally. Brandon, any last calls from you? Hold your apple. Hold your hold your apples. I say buy your apples. He says hold your apples. Either way, there's no negative here on Apple. We are we are all positive Apple here. All right, guys. I hope this was entertaining, educational, and uplifting. Because all we want to do is make everybody money. We hope you enjoy your day. You guys have a good night. All right. <laughs>